If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, on Friday when we were with you, we had a new football coach in Jacksonville. That football coach over the weekend introduced on a rare Saturday news conference and an awkward one at that at time. Shad Khan spoke. Trent Balky, the GM, spoke. Doug Peterson here to save the day in Jacksonville. And the revealing news is that the front office structure could be adjusted, beefed up a little bit. And now our attention turns to that and also the hiring of a staff for Doug Peterson. Hey, everybody, and welcome in on Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. <laughs> Took a little time to maybe settle in and relax after a couple months on Sunday once you could digest everything. I think we did a little bit. There's no football to watch on Sunday. If you, I don't think we call the Pro Bowl real football. Um, but uh, did you check out the Senior Bowl, uh, perhaps, on Saturday? Uh, let's talk all about it here for the next few hours. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brett Martin at TPC Sawgrass Players Championship Media Day today. Uh, selfishly, we like that, but... Uh, we all like the fact that the Players' Championship is about a month away. One of the best events, of course, that we get a chance to cover in the area, and hopefully you get to attend. Brent Martineau here. Casey Kurtz is here. He played a little. We'll talk about that. Brian Middleton back in the studio filling in for Casey, at least for the first hour or so until Casey races back. And in the Action Sports Jack Studios, it's Austin Lane, a.k.a. Free Range Hot Buns, a.k.a. Cupid, a week from Valentine's Day. Now, Brian, did you get invited to the, the Sawgrass as well, or did you not get that invite, like me? Sure didn't. Okay, it's all good then, man. Me, hold on the studio. Yeah, I mean, imagine my surprise when I come here this morning and nobody from WAP is here except myself and my co-host because everyone's at Sawgrass Golfing. So I'm um, glad that my invite got lost in the mail for another year yet again. I got to see Coos doing his thing. I'm sure Casey had fun. I to talk to him about it. I hope you guys had a great time out there. little chilly, but I'm sure the course conditions were fantastic. Yeah, it was a little chilly. I don't think it would have been the ideal time for you guys to pop out, uh, but uh, it was it was good. And, um, you know, next wrestling media day that we get involved on the mat, you'll probably get invited, and I won't. So. Um, oh, yeah, but hey, hey, but, but they can let me wrestle inside the ring now. At least you guys <laughs> got to play Sawgrass. At least you got to tour that beautiful course. It's all good, though. I, know. I do ask you this on a serious note. Uh, would you really like to play here? Like, you're not a big golf fan, right? But uh, and, and you don't play much golf. You guys played. You, you played against Coos, remember? We had that big, important ruling for guys shooting around 120. That was big. Um, would you like to play TPC Sawgrass? Like, not anymore. If, if, if I said, let's go play, would you look forward to that? You'd be like, nah, let somebody else have it. Oh, no, I've played it before. I mean, it's, it's an experience, you know. It's, it's yeah. sawgrass. I mean, it's... it's, it's what did you do, play in like a Jags, the Jags outing? Yeah, ago? yeah, I played in the Jags outing a year ago. Yeah. 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 yeah it is. It's a, it is because especially if you've played like uh, some video games or things like that, and even if you're a casual golf fan, obviously the 17th hole and, and everything else. So it was kind of an odd day. Like, I think we'll get better weather in the tournament uh, in March, but you can get this kind of weather in March as well. Uh, so the course does look fantastic. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Casey's game and Marcel's game uh, along the way. I Marcel don't know played. Players. Marcel played, yes. Um, gotcha. Played. Uh, nice. So we'll get you on the list, guys. We'll get you on the list. I'll pull some strings. If you're, I didn't know you'd be that 
Now, I didn't have – I wasn't privy to the list. I was just saying I didn't know you'd be really that eager to play or mad if you didn't play. So now that I know this a little bit and there's a little jealousy I'm picking up on, then I will probably try to make sure you're a part of it next year. I, I mean, I can't believe you didn't pick up on it last year when you and Kuz went together <laughs> and I wasn't included. You must have forgot about that one. But it's all good, man. Hey, hey I'll listen, see you in a year there. I just want to let you know, like anything in that side of the building, the only reason I'm here is because of TV. Yeah. All right? <laughs> because on that side of the building, I don't think I'd be thought of as well. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but uh, how's Cupid going anyway? This, this, that, I mean, this is scary what I'm seeing out there. Are you okay for this? I mean, how's, uh, how's, how's your swag going? Um, oh, yeah, I'm good, man. I mean, that's all, all right? that, that's all the imaging department, man. That doesn't come back to me. So, yeah, I mean, I saw the picture, uh, friends and family poking jokes at me. I didn't control it, man. So whatever they want to do, as long as they keep writing the checks, they can do whatever they want to do with Cupid uh, Austin. That's right. I love it. I love the fact that you're, you're not afraid to show a little vulnerability there. I appreciate that about you, Austin Lane. Uh, hey, you watched it. Let's get it right to out in front of everything and as we head into a Super Bowl week and we turn the page on the Jaguars, which I appreciate and I think everybody else does. But um, while what's done is done, what was done was done. <laughs> and uh, what was your take on the news conference on Saturday, the introduction to Doug Peterson? Did it come across to you awkward at times as an introductory news conference to introduce a new coach? Yeah, it definitely came across awkward. You know, um, it's really the first time that I can recall where, you know, Shad Khan, I don't want to say that he wasn't prepared because he knew those questions were coming, but you didn't sense the confidence um, like he usually has in press conferences, even when you're coming off of a two- or three-win season. Um, you know, I, I think some of the questions may have got to him a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, the, the whole Trent Barkey, Trent Barkey scenario, um, you know, it, was, it had to be brought up, and it was, a, it was a key focus of that press conference. But I thought a big takeaway and a positive takeaway from that press conference was how Doug Peterson handled himself because he was essentially in the middle of two guys who um, – were getting questioned, and they had every right to be questioned. And I thought Doug Peterson played it cool. Um, I thought he was genuine with his answers. Um, and I thought that he pervade an excitement, and fans should be excited uh, from the head coaching standpoint at least, where, you know, I think he's going to turn this team in a new direction. Yeah, I, and I like to start there too, and we'll get into everything here. And it won't, I mean, listen, it's, it's still the big story before we kind of go forward. And what did we learn? And it took 40 minutes to learn about the restructuring of the, the front office, which I think was the most revealing thing. So there's a lot, that, uh, a lot of thoughts, a lot to dissect. But I think what you just said, Austin, was a very good sign about going forward for this franchise. Uh, and I don't say, I would love to turn this into positivity, but you got to pull something positive out of what just took place. Doug Peterson, I think, is a very good hire. How we got here, that's certainly not a super positive. It doesn't feel that good. I don't know all the details. I still think we don't know all the details, and I'm not sure we ever will know all the details, but it certainly was sloppy in, in my, from my view how we got here. But the fact that we got here to Doug Peterson, I think, is a saving grace. Like, I, I'm not telling you he's going to change the world in Jacksonville. I'm not telling you he's going to win three Lombardi trophies. But I think the fact that he has a good resume, he's a good coach, I can, he's a good guy, he can team up with Trevor Lawrence, he can write this thing. And his performance in that news conference, I, I don't think we should sleep on that. I don't know. I know it wasn't the number one attention spot over the weekend, but I thought he was the guy that was trying to rally everything together, Austin. Like, I sense that. I'm glad you did, too, because I think he had 
an awkward situation. This was not your typical welcome to Jacksonville news conference that we've seen with other coaches. This was not throwing a parade. Um, it was a Saturday, very casual uh, press conference to announce a coach that has won a Lombardi trophy and been around the NFL and done a lot of good things. And I think the way he tried to rally everybody together, uh, I'm not, it's not the end-all, be-all, but it was certainly a good spot. And I think people saw that, and I think it's something people, again, in the building and outside the building can now hang their hat on, like, listen, this guy gets it. Like, he understands it. He knew what was going on. He didn't bow up, get all mad about it. Instead, he tried to rally and embrace everybody. And I saw that. I, I really did, and I'm glad you did, too, because I think that could be significant now, turning this thing forward a little bit. You know, it's kind of ironic because we talked about Trevor Lawrence last year, you know, kind of getting put in front of the gun a little bit and having to answer questions for, for coaches and everybody. And it seemed like it was just a Trevor Lawrence show in terms of him being held accountable when this kid's a rookie. It's his first year on the Jaguars. We're asking so much of him in terms of the bad optics around the team. Well, I kind of got that vibe when Doug Marone got announced where it was obvious that Doug, uh, I've been Doug, Marone, Doug, Doug Peterson was announced. You know, it was obvious that Doug Peterson wasn't the first choice. You know, I mean, you could kind of sense that, I think, the way Shad Khan answered some questions and everything. And I don't think it was really fair to Doug Peterson to get into you having to sit next to two guys, you know, where there is a lot of drama right now. But once again, I think it's a testament to like Trevor Lawrence was this past season when he's going through all this stuff, not playing his, his best brand of football, but still having to answer all the questions, still being a professional. I thought Doug Peterson kind of amplified the same thing, um, you know, this year, uh, in the up and coming season, just trying to, you know, put the fires out here, put the fires out there and kind of relay that they are a team. They are together here now. He's not going to come out there and go rogue the first press conference. You know, yeah, he's, I mean, yeah, yeah. no one's going to do that, right? Like, you know, you just signed a contract for a lot of money, so you have to respect the employer. You have to uh, respect the, the power structure. But I think Doug Peterson went above and beyond to try to exemplify, like, hey, we are on the same page here. doesn't matter how we got here. We're here now. Now let's go forward. Yeah, and I, I think, listen, there's something to it. Some of it's just normal stuff. I don't want to over-dramatize. But the, I didn't catch some of this, Austin, while I was sitting there. Like, I, I sensed a bit of awkwardness. I sensed, okay, where's this thing going to go? Uh, I also didn't sense gotcha questions by anyone. I thought they were all legitimate. And with everything on the table, it just happened to happen while you were also introducing a coach. So, like, the whole thing was fine. It was just different. It was awkward at times. It was unusual. It wasn't your normal pomp and circumstance of a, hey, let's welcome a Super Bowl winning coach to the organization. And in the midst of that, when I went back and watched some of it, I didn't watch it front to back, I caught some things that Peterson was doing and saying, and I'm like, man, that was big time right there. That was pretty good. Like subtle, not over the top, not too dramatic, just kind of subtly was trying to bring people together. And I thought it was pretty significant. Listen, he said one of his first things, I can feel the energy in the building. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. I mean, everybody's saying hi to Doug Peterson. <laughs> I don't know what the energy in the building right now. I think everybody's kind of like, all right, let's get through this day and, and, and let's move forward and hopefully this guy's here and we're going to turn it all around we're going to make some good decisions um I, I know there were some players there and everything else but i so i think part of it was hey this is an introductory news conference this is what you do this is what you say but there was this underbelly there that showed some leadership i thought from him and and i do think that's real and and we continue to say like we know he's a good guy like people say he's a good guy i believe that's a big part of this i, I think uh he can be you know he Coming off Urban Meyer, let's just say that he can be kind of the adult in the room and, and, the, and a good person that people want to work for. 
And it's not just players. It's people in the entire building. If you look at buildings that do well, like the Kansas City Chiefs or over the years the Patriots, or people are on the same page. It's not the people selling tickets, um, the people doing jobs that you don't even know they do, like they're on the same page. I think Doug Peterson's going to be a guy that can get everybody on the same page. Others have tried it, and it just hasn't worked as well. Um, Urban took control of that building, in my estimation, Austin. And I think some people in that building probably feel like, hey, I'm going to get my building back a little bit the way it used to be, <laughs> not the way it was under Urban. Yeah. But I think also this has a good chance to be Doug Peterson's building without him being abrasive and power-hungry about doing it. Yeah, it could be Doug Peterson's building for sure. But now, you know, to echo what I saw from the press conference now, you know, going forward is what is this power structure going to look like, right? Yeah. Like we, we get the where there's going to be an EVP. You also learn that, you know, I think Trent Baalke's there to stay. Um, I think his answers when, when Trent was asked, you know, through the whole process, how hard was it on him? I mean, it, it seemed like he got the vow of confidence from Shad Khan the entire time where he was never worried about his job. Now, obviously, things can change, but for right now, you got to accept that Trent Baalke is the general manager going forward, and then we'll see, you know, if it's going to be Spielman or somebody else in terms of what capacity that is going to be going forward. But I thought it was also very telling in terms of 40 minutes into the press conference, we finally get a peel behind the curtain of exactly what this power structure um, what this chain of command could look like, and I just hope that everyone's going to be on the same page going forward. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, man, and, and you just said something. I was actually tweeting it. as we. It took 40 minutes into the news conference to get the most revealing answer of the news conference. And, like, Shad buried the lead. Hey, we're going to keep Trent bulky. Hey, welcome Doug Peterson. And you know what we learned through the process? We are going to beef up our front office because Trent and Doug can't do this alone. That's not the way the organizations that are successful do it. And Austin, this is something like we don't really talk about front offices until there's something bad to talk about front offices, draft, free agency, this whole bulky thing made the front office front and center. But in this process, I've talked to several people that have mentioned it, and I didn't even quite know what it meant, really. I was like, okay, whatever. That said, listen, the JAG structure is one of simplicity and almost too lean. If you go around to other organizations, their organizations are more beefed up in the front office. There's more help. And I think I tried to say this a couple times over the last couple months. We view the GM job as just a, hey, go draft and go get free agents. That's it. That's what we look at it from the outside looking in. People will tell you there's more to it than that. And I think that's what this will allow, this new structure, will probably from a fan perspective take some of the power away from Trent Baalke. So that makes them feel a little bit better. But also it brings more voices into the equation, more expertise potentially into the equation, and maybe doesn't spread guys too thin from a Baalke and Peterson standpoint. Now they'll have help doing some of these other things that we don't even know exist other than coaching football games and picking players to add to the roster. Well, let me ask you this. Wasn't Tom Coughlin the EVP no more than three years ago, four he years was. ago? Yeah. And didn't that kind of get tarnished? I mean, you had one successful season back in 17, and then after that it was essentially a dumpster fire. Isn't that exactly what happened the last time that the Jaguars tried to use an EVP? Well, and I think that's the danger of it, Austin. I, I said this last night, too, on TV. The danger of having more people involved is where does the power structure fall? Can you have too many cooks in the kitchen? 
And while collaborative was this huge word that was used on Saturday's news conference, that's not the most important word in an organization. You've talked about this for years. I've talked about this for years. And I don't think we're wrong. Communication is the biggest word in a building. And we have seen that gone awry in Jacksonville. So you raise a fair question. Yeah, I think there were too many cooks in the kitchen at one time. I brought this point up many times, and I believe it. Coughlin, Marone, Caldwell, Tony Khan, Shad Khan. Who's calling the shots? So you can have people involved, but who is, when push comes to shove, making a football decision that's going to be better for the football team? And honestly, Austin, I can't answer that now. I don't know, because I don't know who else is going to be involved with this right now. But I do think it is a bit of my concern. And that means your communication has to be spot on. That means your chemistry has to be spot on. And I'm hoping Doug Peterson can really help that part of it. And they bring some other good people that have done it this way before. The problem with the Coughlin way, in my estimation, was partly Caldwell got stuck in between a Coughlin-Marone marriage. And he was just like this third wheel. And so what was his exact role? Who was calling the shots? And then Coughlin just had never done it before. That wasn't his thing, a personnel guy. He was a coach. And so you you need a personnel guy most likely in that position. Let's just say, for example, it's Rick Spielman. Who knows? We don't know yet. But if it is, at least that guy has run front offices before. And now he knows all those things. And so I think that's maybe can give you some hope. Um, the other thing, as I would say this, Austin, why Shad, I think, will still have say, people will report to him, I think the more people you have involved in the front office, if he trusts them, then it takes him kind of out of the equation. And uh, that could be a good thing. So I understand what you're asking. I'm not saying it's going to work perfectly. I think there are challenges to it. But I also think we all feel a little bit better. And I'll ask you this. Do you feel better that they're at least going to beef it up and put more insulation around a guy like Trent Falke? I'm not mad at the overall protocol of the system they're trying to put in place. I'm not mad at that at all. Just what I raised the red flag to, though, is that we've seen this before with Tom Coughlin. Now, this is all Tom Coughlin's fault. Well, yeah, probably a lot of it was. But I think the fault has to lie with ownership and saying, you're responsible for this. You're responsible for this, you know, Doug Marone back in the day. You're responsible for this, Dave Caldwell. Like, people's roles weren't defined. And that has to fall on ownership to define those roles. And it does make me a little nervous when you have a GM like Trent Baalke, who from 2011-2014 went to, you know, three or four a- or NFC Championship games, and you still had a falling out with your head coach and Jim Harbaugh, and he left. And he just talked to Deuce and said, I'm out of here. So that does make me a little nervous in terms of Ken Trent Baalke, Ken Doug Peterson, who I think has a little bit of ego himself, which is a great thing, I think, and Ken Spielman, can they all get their roles defined and can they all work together? I hope so. You know, I mean, they have to at this point. I just hope the the, the chain of command coming from ownership establishes those roles right off the get-go. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think you should have some concern about it until we see it unfold, until these guys make some right decisions, too. Uh, Doug Peterson, I think, is the correct decision. Beefing up the front office, I think, is the correct decision. Now you have to make more good hires. Now you got to go get better players. There's a lot more decisions over the next few months that will tell the tale of how this is going to work out. We probably won't know right away if it is going to work out. That might take some, well, eight, nine, ten months, or maybe even two years to quite figure out about this new structure. We'll be back live at TPC Sawgrass Players Championship a month away. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Brian Middleton, pinch hitting for at least a little bit. Casey Kurtz will join us in a bit as well. We're back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 on a Monday right after this.
successful, to develop their talent, one player at a time, one unit at a time, and that's how you win football games in the National Football League. And there are some really, really good players on this football team, and the pieces are here. And that's why I'm excited, and that's what drew me to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is Doug Peterson, new coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that's a good thing. Maybe turn the page here in Jacksonville. I tweeted a long list of tweets on Saturday with some thoughts, and one of them, and maybe the biggest thing is, maybe we get some positivity going around here. Listen, I know I'm maybe more sunshine and rainbows than others, but even I haven't been over the last few months. It's been very negative around the Jags, and that won't change overnight. There's still things to be concerned about. There are still things to fix. There are still games to be won that haven't been won, uh, but maybe Doug Peterson can bring that from ice cream to good guy to Lombardi trophy to just a positive vibe, you know, and, and hopefully he can bring a sense of that that starts to turn the page. It won't happen overnight, like I said, but maybe we can start uh, feeling that again in Jacksonville uh, because you got to have hope if you're a franchise. And right now I think this, at least the hope puzzle added, a, added one more piece, Austin Lane. Trevor Lawrence has been the hope. That was mitigated a little bit by the things that, were done around him in his rookie season, but now Doug Peterson at least brings a little bit of life back to the hope of Trevor, and I think Doug's his own hope piece, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can at least latch on to that a little bit, and so we can at least start to feel a little bit of it. I'm not asking people to go crazy. I'm not going crazy. It's a wait-and-see approach, but I think at least there's a couple of pieces of hope now when it comes to Doug and Trevor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, if, if your quarterback's set up for success, then you have a good opportunity to win some football games. And that's what it's all about. And I think in terms of, you know, a, a head coach hiring, you know, maybe, I mean, it, it could be 1A, 1B, or maybe even, you know, 1C if you want to throw in Byron Leftwich there. But I think in terms of helping Trevor Lawrence grow, I think Doug Peterson could be um, a, a great teacher uh, to help him. It helps being a former player, number one, because Doug Peterson's obviously been there. Um, on a few different teams, in a few different roles, if you will. And then obviously coming underneath a, an Andy Reid coaching tree that is very quarterback-oriented, yeah, I think that that's going to be a recipe for Trevor Lawrence to succeed. Now, it's going to be a lot more than that, though. It's got to be the right pieces around him. And this is where, you know, Trent Baalke and then whoever the EVP is going to be coming in, they can do their help um, and add Trevor some weapons as well. Hey, let's uh, go to the phones real quick. Uh, let's get uh, some guys on uh, South Beach, Gary, at the, or Steven. Steven, let's get Steven on um, uh, right away. Uh, phone lines are open all day. They always are, really. But uh, I think some people probably comment today. Um, 904-362-9901. Steven, what's happening, man? Hope you had a good weekend. Hey, I hope you guys had a good weekend as well. Um, I was really impressed with uh, Doug Peterson, especially for him to come out and say, hey, Trevor's a good player, but he can only do so much. We've got to get other good players around him. And Austin, uh, you being a huge wrestling aficionado such as myself. Yes, sir. Don't you just love the, the storyline we have uh, two games a year now, Frank Wright versus Doug Peterson? <laughs> and, and my second question is now – I want to get your guys' opinion if you saw the Senior Bowl at all, because now I truly realize it's for smaller schools or guys you don't see that much on TV making a statement, because Trevor Penning, I knew he was good, but he, he was an unstoppable force on that O-line and one-on-ones and everything, and Double J, Jermaine Johnson, oh my God, he was a beast. Just didn't even use a lot of technique. Just bull rushed over guys that were like 80 pounds heavier than him. I mean, it was just 
No, you got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I appreciate it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Jermaine Johnson had a heck of a week at the Senior Bowl, yeah. Florida State guy. Uh, so, Austin, let's go two parts there. Um, uh, let's get into answer a question about Senior Bowl. Did you get see it? Anybody oh, yeah. catch your eye? And Jermaine Johnson. Oh, I mean, as he climbing boards. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of players, you know, caught my eye. You know, like the, the game is one thing because it doesn't really, you know, encompass exactly how talented or like where these players are. You know, I mean, sometimes guys can have one good game. And, you know, it's going to help their, their draft stock out. But you can tell a lot more, I think, like during the week. And, like, I mean, you know, guys that stood out to me, well, first of all, if you watch the game, Kenny Pickett had a pretty good day. Yeah, um, and I think he's kind of cemented himself as more than likely the, the, the top overall quarterback. But I think Malik Willis is kind of closing ground as well. Because Malik Willis the whole week, um, you know, did great. But, like, he showed off his dual threat capabilities. You know, the, the dude's got speed. And it's one of those things. It's almost like the Josh Allen effect. When, if you look at Josh Allen's numbers when he came out of Wyoming his last year, they weren't that great simply because the guys around him, you know, just couldn't play up to Josh Allen's level. And I got this sense a little bit with Malik Willis as well when I watched Liberty play Ole Miss uh, this past season. I mean, you know, he performed well, but, like, it was evident that the receivers he was throwing to, this, you know, they couldn't get open per se, and it was a little bit of a problem. So, you know, the quarterbacks obviously obviously stood out to me. Uh, you know, shout out to Jake Ferguson, uh, a guy I talked about a little bit last week from yeah, Wisconsin, tight end, um, three catches, 62 yards, and he had the touchdown. Uh, a guy that I kind of compared to Owen Daniels a little bit. I'm not going to go back on that now. Uh, and especially, you know, a guy that's probably going to go later rounds as a tight end position. Maybe the Jaguars could take a look at him a little bit. But it was definitely a showcase of the small school guys. And once again, not necessarily in terms of what they did in the game, but the entire week. Like, people are extremely high right now on Christian Watson on North Dakota State, 6'4", 2'11", has speed and has great hands. I mean, anytime you have that combination of size, fluidity, and great hands, it's a good combination. So, yeah, I think Christian Watson, too, is a guy that I saw uh, during practice a little bit. Listen, I love the Senior Bowl, man, for that kind of stuff. I, I think, you know, Stephen hit on Jermaine Johnson. He's a beast. He had a great week. He's going to have a great buildup to the draft. I think his stock will continue to rise. Looks like, like a football player, you know? And I think some of those guys really stand out at the Senior Bowl. I think Johnson did that. I think what's interesting about the quarterback stuff, Willis from Liberty and Pickett from Pittsburgh. Uh Willis, it's going to come down to style, Austin, don't you think? Like, what kind of guy do you want? What what do you see? Um, And and Willis just a different quarterback than Pickett, but a quarterback that works in today's NFL that you can get excited about, that you can't teach some of the things that he does. And then how will those things translate to the NFL? Well, better than they've ever translated because we have other quarterbacks doing it and succeeding. Uh, So I think isn't that's going to be the decider probably of who goes first, which quarterback, what kind of style do you want? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, it's going to be to each their own. I mean, I think Willis is more, you know, appealing just because he is the dual threat guy. And and you saw what that was San Fran when they took, you know, Trey Lance over Mac Jones. Now we'll find out in the future if that was the right decision or if they sort of took Mac Jones. But you get the sense that Pickett's a little more of the, the standard pocket passer and Willis is a little more of the new school kind of dual threat. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And, by the way, in terms of the guy that stood out to me the most was the whole week in practice. Looked like he's just on a different level, and we talked about him as well. I'm not sure, you know, if the Jaguars should really go get him. Uh, but Damian Pierce, I mean, I'm not sure where he's yeah. slated uh, to, to fall right now, but Pierce had 
probably maybe a better week than anybody at the Senior Bowl. Just the way that he was able to find nine holes and the speed. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week, how how didn't Florida use this guy more? How didn't they have more success in the run game is beyond me. But I think Pierce is a guy who definitely made a lot of money for himself with the Senior Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good stuff from the Senior Bowl. More to come on, on that and as we flip it into the draft process and free agency. I, I do want to stay on a little bit the, the front office structure and Saturday, and we'll continue to talk about it throughout the show. A lot of comments on it. Uh, Delphonic, I appreciate it, by the way. He's officially retiring the Brent and Trent photo. So that's nice. I might frame oh, it. Oh, did he, did he reach out to you and let you know it's, uh, it's on Twitter? He, that's what he just said. He said he's oh, retiring nice. it. But, I mean, should he is the question, Austin. Like, well, it depends like, what you say. Well, how do we feel about everything that went down with Trent? Like, have we moved on from Trent and just have to accept that he's part of the organization? Or does the fan base feel – I've had a hard time gauging this. Are we just moving on and somewhat happy – there's a coach. So the process is over, and that circus, uh, if you will, is done. Um, or are we happy that there's going to be added structure, which appears to maybe take some of the power away from Trent, or is everybody still ticked off to a degree that he's even got a residence there at Jags headquarters? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I can't speak on behalf of the entire fan base because I'm not really sure how they feel about it. Um, how I feel about it is... Yeah, I'm excited for Doug Peterson, I think, as anybody should be. Because, once again, I think he's going to turn things around for this team. But I'm like how Stark in Game of Thrones, man. The, the North remembers. So, like, I'm, yeah, I'm going to move on. I'm going to do my thing. But I'm not going to forget how we got here in the first place. And I'm not going to forget how, you know, you have a guy right now that I'm not sure is the best suited role to be the general manager of this club. Now, maybe time will tell. Maybe he's learned from his mistakes. Maybe he comes out and hits an absolute home run in terms of draft class um, and, and gets the guys that the Jacksonville Jaguars need. But all I have to go off of right now is resumes and what he's done in the past. And what he's done in the past, I think, isn't up to par. So I'm still going to question it. I'm, I'm still going to kind of raise an eyebrow to it just because uh, I feel like, how can you not? Yeah, and I, I think so, too. I, wanna be, I don't want to be hypocritical, Austin. Here's what I said throughout the whole process. If Trent Baalke is still around, I think Shot has earned some criticism. And I do think he has earned criticism. And I think he should get criticized for Baalke being around. I don't understand the the inability to reset you know we we asked the question of why like is it a philosophical thing i think is the way i asked it and basically he said because he's under contract well i probably should have done a better job there and asked well urban meyer is technically still under contract too and he's not here yeah you know so it's like you can change people out even if they're under contract so uh yeah i think the bulky thing until we see it and how it's structured and how Peterson and how other people who might be in the fold are going to balance it, uh, to me, you still have a possibility of dysfunction in your building. And to me, the number one goal of this whole search and whole offseason was to rid the building of dysfunction that has existed for about four years or so. And so I cannot sit here on a Monday, even though Doug Peterson makes me happier and the power structure that might be makes me happier in the front office. I appreciate that part, but I still don't believe that I can fully invest in, well, everything's all good in the building now. There's no dysfunction going forward. And I don't label it just on Trent Baalke. Again, I've said this multiple times. I'm not sure it's fair to just put it on him. But the resume says 
six different coaches now in six different seasons when he's been part of the administration of a football team going back to San Francisco and now the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is that all on him? No. But six different coaches in six seasons? Heck, maybe the, the truth of, of this being a success in 2022 is Doug Peterson just surviving until 2023. Yeah. So I think it does come with criticism. I'm not going to turn my cheek the other way on that. I think there's things to finally rally around. But Trent Baalke has a lot of image repair to do and a lot of uh, – he's got to earn some of the respect as well. I, I think he probably got unjustly and unfairly hammered at times, if I'm being completely honest. But I also think he has to earn the, the uh. job. Right. Bring the, bring the meme back because here we go again. You're, you're, you're starting to go down that road. You were out. You were good. Well, listen. And now we're going say, back. Well, you can say this stuff without being uh, – again, I, I, I got the meme because I said, is he getting too much venom? Like, is this more symbolic than it is personal? You know what I mean? And, and so that's where, to me, this is still symbolic of nature uh, in, in the fact that Shad just did not reset. Yeah, and that's what we're more mad about than I think even I think that's what we were mostly upset about the entire time more than just the person and the player personnel guy of Trent Baalke, if I'm being honest. Yeah, but the, I learned a long time ago in this business that is a cutthroat business. And in terms of feeling yeah. sorry for somebody, nah, man, I, I can't come with you on that one. Business is business. And, and you are what your performance shows. And I don't think his performance has showed that he's deserving of the spot. You know, last week when they hired, or they, yeah, they hired Doug Peterson, I said, you know, it was an interesting juxtaposition, and I talked about how I'm excited for Doug Peterson, but I despise how the off, front office handled the coaching search. So I, I was mad about the journey that got us to the destination. Now, one of my peers in the media, not sure if he's trying to come at me or not, but said, who cares about the journey when you got to what, what you want with Doug Peterson? I'll say this. Back in 2017, you got where you wanted to go, almost a play away from going to the Super Bowl. But what people forget about that journey was the destination what got you there. The, des the, the journey was a part with Tom Coughlin and was a part of an organization that was getting ready to crumble. The next couple of years, it fell apart and it was a mess. That's the journey. That's why you have to worry about the journey. You have to ask, how did you get here in the first place? Because things can come crumbling down like you wouldn't believe. So I don't forget about the journey, and I'm going to keep questioning, hey, what is his role going to be going forward? Yeah, I think that's fair, by the way, and I think that's a good point. I mean, the process is part of it. And are you going to repeat yourself again? That's why we wanted a reset around here. And we didn't really get it. And I think that deserves some criticism still here in Jacksonville, although we keep our fingers crossed that Doug Peterson and all the moves going forward will help um, everything that's been going on in Jacksonville. All right, we take a break. We're live at TPC Sawgrass. Brent Mortnow, Austin Lane, Brian Middleton in for a bit. Casey Kurtz is going to uh, be arriving in the studio soon. We appreciate Brian. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Phone lines open, 904-362-9901. Obviously, you know, I talked to him briefly on the phone. Um, I guess that was Thursday night, and then today, first time meeting him in person. Um, just seems like a really great guy. Obviously, he's had a lot of success. You know, his resume kind of speaks for itself. And, you know, he's an offensive guy. You know, he played quarterback in the NFL. All those things, you know, make me really excited and, and something that I'm just excited to get to work with him and see what he brings to the table. So I think everybody's excited. Uh, everybody's really relieved. You know, we got our guy. And, and to be able to move forward and just go to work now is a good feeling.
That is Trevor Lawrence on Jaguars.com over the weekend as he was there to greet the new head coach of the Jaguars, Doug Peterson, along with players like Josh Allen, James Robinson, LaVisca Chennault, Tyler Shackley was there as well, Caleb on Chason, also others uh, that I heard um, in the building and happy to greet uh, their new head coach. So uh, that is a positive thing. Brett Martin along with Austin Lane. Brian Middleton, Casey Kurtz along shortly as well. We appreciate Brian pinch hitting uh, for a little bit. Uh, we're out of TPC Sawgrass. It was Players Championship Media Day. Jared Rice, Executive Director of the Players Championship, joins us in just a bit as uh, we are one month away from uh, this fantastic tournament that, uh, of course, is in our backyard but is an international event. Hey, let's jump right into the phone lines, and I have a question about another coaching search, Austin Lane. But Sean's been hanging on the line. Let's get Sean in talking about the Jaguars front office a little bit, I believe. What's happening, Sean? Hey, how you guys doing, man? How was your weekend? Excellent. Good, man. Good. Uh, so a question for you guys, more so more towards Brent than anything. With Bulky, with that news conference, I think the biggest thing that, even for me, I'm not sure for any, most, a lot of people, but... I, didn't, I wasn't aware that he was only GM for the last year, just for the, as a main focus as a GM for just this year. And with the understanding that Urban Meyer may not have been his hire, but a con hire, does that give him a little bit more leniency towards for con in that respect? Because he didn't make the decision for, for Urban, and Urban wasn't his fault. Yeah, that's a good question, Sean. Like, I think, and in, in what you're basically asking is, through the lens of Shad, how much is Shad saying? And I think that's what this is all about, actually. I mean, I think it's a very good question because Shad's like, hey, listen, I decided on Urban. That was on me. And that is true. Urban came, Urban was first, and then they decided to get Trent um, and keep Trent, even though Trent was in the building but not in the capacity of GM. So then they hire him as GM. But we all know, and we all think at least, Austin, that Urban had the power in the building. And, and by the way, in a lot of the building, but also – I still believe that Urban Meyer, good or bad, by the way, how this draft shakes out, took Trevor Lawrence, which we all would have. I think he was the heavy in drafting Travis Etienne, and I think he was the heavy in drafting Tyson Campbell. Now, after that, it gets a little muddy for me. I don't know if Walker Little was an Urban pick or a, or a Trent-pushed pick. I'm not sure. Where Cisco was, all that stuff. But the first three, I think, are an Urban. Mm. And I'm not sure Trent would have picked those guys, quite frankly. So, and that's good or bad. Like, those guys might turn out to be great, and Urban gets credit for it, or Trent will take credit for it. I don't know. <laughs> but I do think what Sean's saying is partly correct, is that in, in Sean's eyes, he hired this guy to be a GM. He really wasn't making all the moves. In fact, he was trying to keep the train on the tracks under a disaster of Urban Meyer. That being said, I don't know if – and it's essentially what I asked – Shad was, what has he basically done to earn the job GM? Like, look at his time in San Francisco toward the end. Look at the last couple of years here. He's been a part of it in some capacity, even if we can't point to he did this, he did that. What has he done to earn that opportunity to continue to go? That's the problem I keep getting hung up on. And, Austin, I'd say this, that Shad has to look himself in the mirror and be like, hey, if we fired Trent Baalke, how sought after would he be? And the answer is probably not. So that's my problem with it, although I think Sean raises a fair question that through the lens of Sean, I guess what has Bulky done wrong since he's been in the building? I mean, once again, I think it's your resume. You know, yeah. like in terms of who's who were Trent Bulky's draft picks this past year who weren't, like we may never know. 
You know, I mean, if, if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, like he had Walker Little, I mean, it, to, to me, that, that doesn't matter. Once again, it's just it's what your resume says about you. Um, your, your resume defines you as a football player. It should define you as a head coach. And it damn sure as well better define you as a front office guy. And I just think the resume of Trent Baalke in terms of his history isn't good. So, yeah, I mean, maybe he had a little bit more leeway just because the, these past year's draft picks maybe weren't all his, whatever the case may be. I just go off a of resume and I go off of history. I mean, the, hey, the, uh, that's uh, why Doug Peterson's here right now is because of resume, keep in mind. Yeah, good point. That, no, no, that's fair, by the way. Like I, and I, I see what Sean's asking, though, right? Yeah. Like, because we're, we're all asking the same thing. Why is he keeping him? What is he, oblivious to this stuff? And I think, I mean, I think our arguments are better, quite frankly, than shots. I, I think the argument to get rid of and reset is better than keeping. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody in town would agree, and I think a lot of people did. I don't think many people endorsed Trent Bulky being a part of it. Um, and in a way, I think Shad caught a little bit of that wind because he obviously is going to beef up and, and add to and not just make – Trent Baalke, uh, the the lone soldier there, making all the moves in the front office. Hey, at least we have the Houston Texans, right? Oh, yeah. Well, hey, Houston, way to take your title back as, like, in terms of bad optics, probably the worst franchise right now in football. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Houston Texans going blow for blow. We're talking about, like, Mike Tyson, um, you know, Evander Holyfield, th- the bad times and the bite. Like, it was just, it was, it's been ugly. And, you know, the Jaguars, I think, got it right as much as they could get it right with Doug Peterson. And now the Houston Texans seem to be a little lost in how they're handling their whole uh, coaching search. So it looks like it's going to land on Lovey Smith, man. Yeah, which and I'm a fan much, of. But by, by the way, Lovey Smith's a good football guy, great beard guy. Yes. Great beard guy. Uh, and, like, when I grow up, I want to have a beard that looks like that. There you go. Like, I hope I, ha- I, hope I can grow a beard like that. I hope... I have gray, uh, a gray beard like that. Like, the whole thing looks good. Well, I, don't I mean, it'll look good on me, but it looks good on Lovey. Hey, man, I hate to tell you, but you're almost there, aren't you, in terms of your age? Like, nah, if you can't really grow like... it, if you can't grow them by now, I wouldn't hold my breath. Well, I probably could grow, if I really just let it go, I probably hey, could, but I, I, I don't know. I like, don't think it you wouldn't come grow out gray. I don't think you can grow one. You don't think so? Nah. I honestly have never flirted with it far enough to really be able to give you an answer. Do you know why? I mean, I just started shaving like five years ago, but... Seriously? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know what your whole regimen is. I'm just saying, I'm just saying I, I bet you can't grow a full-fledged beard. I think if you tried, it would come in with just some, some stuff over here, some stuff over there. It'd be like a, it'd be like a, topological, or a topographical map of like the entire world. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to have some ocean awesome. over here, some ocean over there, but you ain't going to have anything connecting. It's going to be some scraps. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, hey, the real quick on the Houston front. Do you think the NFL changed their mind? Like, do you think they really wanted Josh McCown? Do you think the optics of everything changed their their direction? Man, I, I mean, it kind of it kind of toward, leans towards that way. When... You know, you're you're seriously considering Lovey Smith now when you heard zero rumblings from his camp the entire time. You know, and whatever, you're 30-something days into this whole process and nothing. And then all of a sudden today it's like, oh, yeah, Lovey Smith's going to be our head coach. Like, that, that is a little too peculiar, a little too coincidental for my like. By the way, man, I wasn't wrong. They should have kept David Culley one more year at least.
because they could have avoided all this. They could have bridged the whole Watson thing. They should have kept Cully one more year. He had earned that. He had done a good job, and it would have been beneficial to their organization. They screwed up. Well, and here's the thing. How committed, if you go with Lovey Smith, how committed are you to him? Yeah. Like, who's to say he maybe wins two or three games this year, and then they get rid of him? Yeah, could happen. Could happen. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, we come back. Jared Rice joins us. I want to stay on the football stuff, though. Your questions uh, and comments, welcome. 904-362-9901. Plus, uh, later on, my one-on-one -on -one with Doug Peterson uh, from Saturday. You can hear that on ESPN 690 today. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 